Hello and welcome to this September episode of Charging Status, the UK and Ireland EV-focused podcast brought to you from the interface. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Starling. How are you doing, Jim? Yeah, good, Alex. How are you? Not too bad. Um, yeah, pretty good. You've got some exciting news this month. I'm looking forward to hearing everything about your new car. Um, so do you want to just tell everyone what you've bought? Yeah, so <clears throat> I've gone into quite a lot of detail about this on my YouTube channel. So go and check out the videos about it there. But um, yeah, I've bought a Tesla Model Y or actually my business has bought a Tesla Model Y, which is going to be my new company car. Um, and um, yeah, the whole process was quite bizarre. So I literally ordered it online through the Tesla site. It was in stock, which meant I got about £2,000 discount which I thought was quite good because you'd think actually some people would pay a premium to get one that's in stock, um, but instead yeah, it was two weird. grand less. And then I went down to Southampton Docks to collect it, and I've done a separate video on that collection process, which may or may not be out at the time that this uh, podcast episode goes out. But that was an absolutely bizarre experience. Um, it was self-service hmm. collection, and basically – it spoiler alert um i i walk into the place on southampton docks after driving past probably five thousand teslas um pull into one of their many car parks where the collection center is uh walk up to the car i get a, a notification on the app to say you've arrived have you located the car i click yes i've wow. located the car it asked wow. me to check check the vin number on the windscreen check the vin number and said yes i accept it uh, it unlocked and then I drove off. Wow. So no so interaction with any people. I did go and speak to someone in the, um, uh, in the Tesla office. Um, it okay. was a prick actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I did notice I, what I didn't film, uh, was that I sort of inspected the car quite thoroughly afterwards because, you know, I was expecting to find some sort of ill fitting panel or, yeah, missing charging cable or something and sure enough the bumper where it sort of um meets the rear quarter wouldn't fit it particularly well so i just went in and said oh there's a little issue with one of the and he goes on the app <laughs> i was like what he said report it on the app yeah. right <laughs> yeah okay yeah i did watch your video and it yeah it, you just have to report the issues on the phone don't you and then someone comes out and sorts it so pretty good yeah and speak and like he I've reported it on the phone. Um, that was annoying as well, though. You have to approve like a 70 quid charge, uh, an estimate, say you'll pay 70 quid in case they come out and they want to charge you for it. Obviously, they didn't because it was warranty work. Yeah. Um, but the guy was out first thing next morning, took 10 minutes, all sorted. Um, so it's like everything's there, but there are a couple of little bits that could have just been a little bit nicer. Hmm. Hmm. yeah but the so, car's brilliant love it that's really good yeah it looks really good um and how many miles have you done so far in it have you driven it loads oh, around or you been... yeah not too many less than 150 probably because i've had a, a press okay. car in this week as well so um yep. yeah i've had to try and drive that as much as possible <laughs> awesome now looking forward to the content you, you make on it and it's I, I do love the tesla uh vehicles so good to hear more about it later on in the year and on the podcast so pretty good um 
I've had a dropped, a very sadly dropped off the Honda E yesterday. So I had a Honda E for a week um, and I was very gutted to part ways with that car again. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I did about a thousand miles on it in a week. Um, wow. It? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I sort of got a lot more time with the vehicle than I usually do with vehicles on, on press loan. Um, yeah. And it, I just sort of bonded with it and I was gutted to give it back, but. No, it's yep. very, very good. Um, long journeys in it don't make any sense. I did a 200-mile round trip on some point last week, and it added two hours to my journey because I had to charge four times. So that car really doesn't make sense for any long journeys. But for um, I spent a few days in Milton Keynes with it, and the char- oh, my God, the charging infrastructure in Milton Keynes is insane. It's this, yeah. every single every single place you go to, um, obviously Milton Keynes is full of car parks, yeah, if you're next to a shopping center, there's there's seven kilowatt chargers, there's DC chargers everywhere. I mean, and then while I was there, actually, um, there were some chargers out of action from BP, and there was a little sign on saying, uh, "We're old, um, we're ten years old, or whatever, and we've been replaced." And I went back the I went back on Monday, um, and they were there replacing them all with brand new BP chargers. They're really active. The council, whoever in Milton Keynes, is really active on getting chargers back up and running and putting more in there. Um, so it's really, really good to see. So if you've got an EV, it's good to move to Milton Keynes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good that BP are, um, are on the case as well, because I've never, ever managed to get a BP pulse charger to work. Oh, really? And I've probably tried 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're just, they're just intro- always either out of service or they won't connect to your car. Huh. <laughs> so weirdly with that with the honda e i had a major issue with so when i had it uh, a few months ago basically there was like an electrical fault on the car i used a rapid i used actually used a tesla charge on it and there was a it, the car complains about the voltage or something and i had that problem again at instavolt charger um and i plugged the car in and it kept making clicking noises and basically on the honda e instavolt charger they don't quite work with each other quite right and you have to hold the charger in and the pins eventually lock in right. uh, i did that and then the car threw up an error, so I had to, I had to nurse it home. But no, I, I actually went to the. Um, we'll cover it. We'll talk about it a bit more in a minute. But we've they've opened a massive charger location at the NEC up in Birmingham. Oh yeah. Um, so I took the Honda E there to film some stuff with it, and I must have charged the car about five different times, getting different shots, and every single time it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, instantly worked. So yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe the new BP chargers are a lot better than the old ones. But so. yeah, I guess they. I mean. They wouldn't have replaced them so quickly if they were salvageable, I wouldn't have thought. You'd think it would be sort of upgrade or maintain rather than just wholesale replace. So I'd imagine that they've just failed in the big way and they've decided to put some decent ones in instead. Yeah, no, they they work pretty well. So that's that's what I'm driving, the Honda E. But I was, um, there's a a review coming out for it probably tomorrow, I think. So cool. What have you been driving? Um, I've had, let's think, I've had the GV60 Sport Plus, which is the um, 0-62 in four seconds version of the GV60. And that's a that's a lovely thing. Uh, the, <clears throat> the review for that's already out on my channel, so you can go and check that out if you want to see it. Um, the, the only thing I would say sort of negative about it, well, two things really. Uh, the GV60 in general has a slightly smaller boot than the EV6 and the Ionic 5, 
uh, just the car's fractionally shorter than its two, you know, brothers, stroke, sisters, whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> and it would be nice if it didn't, if it would be nice if it was the same size, really. Uh, secondly, the interior, although it's really nice and really good quality, it's not as good as on other Genesis cars. So if you've driven anything else Genesis and you then get into a GV60, it somehow feels like almost a step down from the other cars in the range. But if you've only driven an EV6 and Ionic 5 and you get into a GV60, it feels like a big step up. Yeah, I noticed. I came in, So I came and saw you when um, you had it on loan. And you, you pointed out there's some plastic bits in it, which look like metal, which was a bit yep. disheartening, especially that price it is as well. It's quite expensive. So I'd completely forgotten, but you actually were with me when I did the review for the first time, weren't you? And I didn't actually yeah. use any of that footage in the end, but <laughs> yeah. 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 I was in, yeah. The, I was in the back seat when you floored it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The other annoying thing is the placement of the USB sockets and the fact that mm. you still don't have wireless CarPlay or Android Auto, um, and the USB sockets are in the same place as the, in the Ionic 5, which is a bit of a daft position because it's sort of right under the dash at the very bottom. Um, but aside from that, yeah, lovely, lovely thing. And I've just had the MG5 for a week. Um, that was really nice, like a, a big upgrade from the outgoing model, I would say, in terms mm. of the interior quality and the layout and everything. Um, yeah, nothing really bad to say about it other than the fact that the steering is so numb, it's almost been anaesthetized. Um, but yeah, aside from that, great car. And a lot of people that are buying that car are not going to mind a bit of numb steering, in fairness. No. Do you think... So when I had the MG4, I was a bit disappointed with the quality in some places. Um, do you it's think a, it's a better, better quality vehicle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, as a, a, a one word answer, yes. It, it feels a lot more premium than an MG4. That's good. That's mm. good. Awesome. Uh, we already spoke about your new model Y as well. So going to jump straight into the, the big news for this, this uh, month. We've got the, as I mentioned, we've got the BP charging station at the NEC. Um, so this, this new station opened just last week um, and there's 180 chargers there, which I thought, wow. I, I thought that was bizarre. And just I um sort of that's huge a huge amount of chargers and such a massive investment as well. Um mm. so on the paper it sounds really good, but what it actually is is a there's thirty super fast chargers there, uh, which are 150 kilowatts each. And then what they've done is they've got every other one has a Chadamo, so these DC fast chargers they've got um two CCS each, and then every other one has a has a Chadamo as well as. Um and the main point of this of this hub is the fact that there's 157 kilowatt chargers. And what you can do is if you're visiting the NEC for the day, you can book one of those spaces and then charge your car slowly over, over the day. Um, I saw a bunch of comments online saying that, oh, that's pointless. There's not many fast chargers there. But the whole point is that you're going there and you can you know that you can charge your car over, over the day. And the NEC is somewhere you're going to spend like maybe a day or two. So yeah, you're not going to go for ten minutes, uh, are you, to the NEC? No. Um, and of no, course, exactly. you know, charging your car slowly is a lot better for the battery than fast charging. So yes, the convenience of fast charging is brilliant when you need it. But if you don't need it, you really want to charge slowly. Yeah, um, and it's in a really good place. So it's it's 
it basically serves the M6 and the M42, and mm-hmm. it's just off the two junctions for that that place. And then what there is is a there's a Starbucks on site, so we've got a drive-through Starbucks there, so you can if you do need to rapid charge, you can go and get a coffee or something. So yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah. uh, do you know Do you know how much it costs? It was eighty three p a kilowatt hour for the Ooh. super fast char- chargers, and then fifty nine p for the slow ones. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Over the last week, I've charged the Honda e a lot, and I've come across lots of very varying charging rates. I mean, mm. just looking at videos from this time last year, the charging rates for most chargers have doubled, basically, um, yep. or just under doubled, which is just insane. So um, that needs to. It's just so expensive to charge. <laughs> yeah, um, that's one of the good things on the Tesla, actually. Like, if you use a supercharger, and I mean, you have to pay a tenner a month for their, uh, what is it, connectivity pack, where you basically get Wi-Fi in the car. It gives you access to some other apps and, and okay. a few other things. But you also get preferential rates when you're charging. So to use a supercharger, mm. it's like 34, 35p a kilowatt hour, which is that's perfect. 5p yeah. more than I pay at home. <laughs> so yeah that's really good unfortunately yeah, if you I'm haven't got a tesla away from the supercharger but never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you haven't got a uh, a tesla you can use normal cars at some chargers and then i think you can pay 10 quid a month to get the same rates as as you would so hmm. um, if you want that i'm awesome. I'm, against, yeah. I'm, I'm against that by the way one of the reasons i got a tesla is for this tesla network um, yeah, so I'd rather they didn't open it up to anyone else. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, most of the charges I saw at different points last week, the Tesla ones, they're always basically free. Just, mm. There's not, maybe, not, I guess, because it charges so quickly, you don't have to spend as long there, and because it doesn't take as long to sort the charging out, you, the friction for that is good. So, Tesla are quite good at the um, busy sites as well of restricting you to an eighty percent charge. And then you get overstay ah. charges quite quickly. So if I you see. get to eighty percent and then just leave your car sitting in the parking space for a quarter of an hour, you know, they're gonna mm. charge you handsomely for that. That's quite quite good. So mm. Yeah, so just back to this uh, BP charging hub, I, it's called a Giga Hub and I I sort of hope that we're gonna see more of these because you need some sort of huge charging station to at good locations. Um, that you know you can get a charger, not just some lonely little charger. There's one of them in some random car park somewhere. So, yeah, one one of the um, press drivers was telling me the other day that there's one at Exeter now, and I think it's GridServe yes. and maybe Superchargers as well, and okay. something else. And they've got queues yeah, and that everything, one. and it and it all works really nicely. Yeah, I think. Osprey have opened one in Devon somewhere as well. Um, oh, okay. I think it's near a farm shop. I think there's 30 chargers, which is really good. So hmm. awesome. Um, next bit of news we've got is the new Tesla Model 3. Um, so this was announced earlier this month. Um, I love the look of this car. Um, the only thing I don't like on it is the um, indicator stalks. I'm not sure how that would work, um, especially in this country. We've got so many roundabouts and things. But what do you think as a new Tesla owner? What do you think about the new Model 3? Yeah, so I think the, I mean, they're subtle changes really, but I think they make a, a big difference to the way the car looks. It looks far less froggy than it did. Um, and it's a definite <laughs> improvement. Um, a little bit disappointed. I know they've made the 
it's now got a longer range because they've sort of increased the aerodynamism of the car and therefore the efficiency. But it would have been nice to see maybe a little bit of upgraded battery technology. Um, I know they've gone to some different interior materials and different um, different way of building the interior, which will cut their costs a bit. So it's only I think it's only going to go up by about thousand pounds is the guess. Um, the indicator stalk thing is ridiculous. And whoever came up with that idea should be put into a cannon and fired directly into the sun. <laughs> but I don't have strong yeah. opinions on it. I just think it's just so stupid. Like, just give us a stalk. There are but almost no buttons in the car already. Yeah. Uh, one stalk to, to um, you know, control flashing the headlights and um, indicators and what have you. Come on. I know. I'm not sure if Ferrari is still doing it, but I remember when the 458 was yeah. launched, it had the buttons on it. And at the time, everyone's like, well, this is just ridiculous. Because if you're turning right, you've got, yeah. you've got to work out on your brain and then look at the steering wheel and then probably crash. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, no one's really, well, people have used it, um, but not enough yet. So I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think it's a good idea, really. And they're haptics but the, as well, aren't they? So. They that's are. even that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, sort of moving to what the ID three has a little bit. Mm. Yeah, um, I really like the design of it and the fact that they've managed to squeeze a bit more range out of it without changing anything specifically. So um, the rear wheel drive Tesla now has forty more miles of range. So got three forty four now. It was three hundred five, and then the long range one has now gone over four hundred miles. It's now got forty one. Uh, versus 394 um it's still got the same sort of charging speed same batteries you said um they've changed the screen a little bit so it's still 15 inches um but the bezels are slightly smaller um but it's got the same gpu and cpu controlling it all so it's still that bit uh, and then it's also got a rear rear screen so with the model s refresh yeah. we got sort of rear screen where you can watch netflix on it and stuff and also um control the uh, air conditioning system uh, so we've got now we've now got that on the model three so it'll come to the uk next year but it may be available as soon as october in some markets which is pretty good so yeah pretty cool um so we have a little chat about onto uh, as well so yeah so, so um if the news is just broken that onto have basically gone into administration um they had a subscriber base of twenty thousand customers and a fleet of 7,000 EVs. That's a weird disparity between those two numbers. So I'm guessing they didn't have 20,000 active customers or mm. uh, 13,000 of them didn't have a car. So they probably would have been quite upset. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they had a fleet of 7,000 EVs. Uh, Legal in general were a big backer of it and they've pulled their funding out. Um, if you don't know, Legal in general is one of the uh, biggest sort of pension providers and insurance companies in the UK. Uh, they, they're actually one of the biggest property owners in the UK and they're a substantial landowner and they take all your pension money and invest it into things like onto that then go into administration. Um, on, <laughs> um, they, uh, they said uh, onto has suffered from steep fall in electric vehicle residual value in the first half of 2023, rising interest rates and the squeeze on disposable income and was unable to secure additional funding from its shareholders. 
Now, it seemed to me like it was a business probably built on on venture capital money. I don't really know. But from the outside looking in, a business that scales so quickly sort of comes to market as a huge thing immediately and is spending what must have been millions on marketing. That looks like a business that's funded entirely with other people's money. And um, sometimes businesses find it easy to spend money when it's other people's money. And if they take the gamble and it doesn't pay off, you know, this happens. So it's not a huge surprise. I don't think it was very cheap either. They always said it was cheaper than leasing, but some of the figures that they sort of quoted in some of the marketing was were a bit spurious. Um, I obviously used it for a month. They gave me a car for a month. It was brilliant. It all worked perfectly well, very slick, no issues with it. But had I been paying £500 a month for a Fiat 500e, I would have felt like it was quite a lot of money. Yeah. I think we discussed maybe last episode, the episode before, I think I was asking you, I was saying like, what happens that what happens to EVs, the fact that they lose so much value, who up front, who fronts that cost? Mm. The fact that the, a new EV might cost 40 grand and then you lease it for a bit and it's on the market for like below 20. And this is obviously one of the problems. The fact that you just, that's, it's not practical, uh, I guess that that money has to be paid somewhere and it obviously was and it's caused caused this problem so yeah if they've if they've bought say seven thousand evs at say 40 grand each and they were expecting them to be worth 25 grand after three years and actually they're only worth 18 they've got seven thousand of them so that's a yeah that's a big shortfall mm. yeah so hopefully well yeah hopefully there'll be some really really good bargains on mm. online at some point once this fleet gets sold off uh so you might see some cheap fit 500e's possibly so it's it's funny as well because their fleet when you look at it it's like they'd exclusively pick the cars that were going to depreciate the most <laughs> um they tended to be cars with smaller range tended to be the sort of less exotic stuff you could get a tesla from them and i think you could get a polestar but no one did really um you know i think people were getting the renault zoe's and the Fiat 500Es and and those kind of things primarily. Yeah, so the website's still up and running, so you can see how much stuff was. They had the 500 electric for 360 a month. That was covered in onto branding, and then if you don't want the branding, it was like 490. And then if you wanted a Model Y, the long range, it was 1,200 pounds a month. Jeez. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd imagine yeah, as you, you're right. So you got the, Vo- the Vauxhall stuff in here. You got the DS3 is one of them. That DS3 mm. is plummeted in value. Um, yeah, and the Corsa market. Oh yeah, I I saw a post on uh, uh, Twitter the other day. It was um it was comparing a an old like a used E2 uh, E Corsa to a normal petrol Corsa, and they were like, they're roughly the same price, like a couple hundred quid in it, and they're about the same age as well. So it's yeah. just. <laughs> Just lost so much value. It's crazy. Except one, so. one started life at twenty grand. One started life at thirty-five grand. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So hopefully, well, hopefully something can happen to the fleet and we might get some used deals. So at the moment, it says potential bidders for Zasset are expected to be contacted in the next few days. Um, so yeah, you're right. There was a lot of money raised for it. So it said more than three hundred and fifty million dollars was raised to fund its growth that's a heck of a lot of money so 
Yeah, and so much of that would have gone on marketing. Yeah. If that's not spent correctly, then that's the end of it. Never see it back. Yeah. The other thing that could stimulate further drops in used EV pricing uh, is the number of company cars that are coming back or will be sort of finishing their, their leases in the next 12 months. Um, I think that's why we've seen prices drop so much because that demand for EVs is completely false. It's not that Joe Public wants to go and buy one. It's that com- necessarily, well, not that everyone does. It's that mm-hmm. company car drivers all suddenly went from paying four or five grand a year company car tax on their diesels, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. And it's a case of where you can have this EV and pay 300 quid a year instead. So mm-hmm. they've all just all gone over to EVs um, for the, the tax savings, really. So yep. I think it's almost like a false demand. And obviously the result of that false demand is that at the end of three, four years, all these EVs suddenly come into the used market. So I think it's going to drop further still. Mm. Interesting because that might help stimulate growth with the public as well. Because at the moment you can't really pick up, it's just too exp- for a lot of people, it is really expensive. Yeah, but once um, you can get one for 15 so grand or something, exactly. with a decent range, and yeah, then loads of people would have one. Yep, yep. And that sort of lends nicely into the next topic. We've got um, a report from the SMMT. In July 2022, we had uh, just over 12,000 electric vehicles registered. And then July this year, it was 23,000 electric vehicles. That's a massive, massive jump. Um, and that and it does say here, based on what you've said as well, it says most of the growth is coming from fleet sales with those kind of orders amounting to 80,000 vehicles, a rise of around 63% uh, for the same time in 2022. So it's, yeah, it's business, business stuff, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Because the just, it makes no sense to get a petrol or diesel car anymore. If you're a company car driver, I mean, it's, it's just hideous the amount they tax you on it where you can get an EV and pay a few hundred quid a year. Does that same does that same benefit apply to hybrids? Because I know I know it used to or plug-in hybrids. So it's not as bad if you get a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid, but they are taxed a lot more than a full sort of battery electric vehicle plug-in hybrids. That is, um, a, a standard hybrid is you'll probably be at the lower end of of petrol numbers, um, but yeah, plug-in hybrids um, are cheaper for company car tax. But it depends on how many miles they can do on EV on uh, battery power alone that's how mm-hmm. it's part of how it's calculated um huh. and then the the actual cost of the vehicle as well and of course with with a lot of plug-in hybrids they're considerably more expensive um a lot of them are not very good on battery range only um yeah it's a tough one yeah definitely okay um got one more bit of long-form news coming up. So uh, I I was a bit surprised about this announcement. So it's the Mustang Mach-E rally. Um, and obviously this sort of lends itself to the rally car that Ford have made for it as well, sort of the official rally car. So it's kind of like a homologation car a little bit, but kind of not. Um, but it's just a, a really ultra-powerful four-wheel drive, stiffened, raised uh, version of the electric Mustang Mach-E. Um, I'm not really sure who's going to buy it, but it looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's anything like the standard Mackie. 
Um, pretty much anyone that test drives one probably won't buy it. Um, I don't know if you've if you've driven one yet, but no, yet, I mean, no. to be fair, Ford are quite good at doing software updates. But I drove one last September, I think, and um, it was the worst EV driving experience I've had. It was just horrible. Huh. It was the, yeah. the it was, there was nothing good about the drive of it. it the accelerator is like an on-off switch, and you just mm. couldn't comfortably just sort of cruise at thirty. Yeah. In it, it was, it was like yeah. on, off, on, off, on, off. Um, yeah. It was a horrible thing, and yeah, I just no, I was completely unimpressed by it. Um, it disappointed me more than the ID three, and the ID three disappointed me quite a lot. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as you mentioned with the software, I think I think Ford are probably, apart from Tesla, probably the next best company doing software based on what I've heard. Yeah. Um, they've invested a lot of money. There's been a lot of interviews with Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, and said that they've got a whole company within the company now that just does software for the cars. He's just said there was a, they were surprised at how difficult it would have been um, or difficult it was to do the software for the cars. Um, so hopefully in the year that you've test driven it, it's improved a lot, but... We, yeah, know. I think it's had a, a couple of updates since then, at least. So, um, and I'm with something like that in a in an electric car. I mean, it, it's all fixable with software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this new rally version, uh, it's not confirmed whether it's going to be a limited edition yet, um, and it will go on sale in the UK in early 2024. And again, there's no information about the pricing at all yet. But it's sort of equivalent in power to the GT Mustang Mackey. So we've got 487 brake horsepower. Um, it is raised by 20 mil. Now we've got custom springs, custom shock absorbers, uh, these massive off-road Michelin tires, and then gloss 19-inch wheels. It's definitely eye-catching. Hmm. Um, and there's also a new rally sport mode, which apparently has better grip on loose surfaces. But apart from a styling thing, I'm, as I said, I'm not really sure who would buy it. But Yeah, it does look cool. Um, and hmm. you'd think if they go into those lengths to make something and calling it rally, you'd think they make it drive properly. Um, but I thought they'd have made a car with a Mustang on the front of it drive properly in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Next, we've got some deals I found on Autotrader. So uh, in preparing the show notes, most of these deals are actually gone now, which is quite a good sign. The guess is that people are still buying EVs. Um, but one of the deals I found is still available. It's a Jaguar I-Pace. Uh, this is a 2019 Reg, and it's done 35,000 miles. Um, and new on the new market, these are about 70 to 80,000 um, pounds. And this one here is just over or just under 23,000 pounds. And I think that's quite a good a good deal really um it obviously isn't the the refreshed model so it's got a slightly older infotainment system because the new one's been refreshed a little bit but what do you think about that that looks pretty good to me yeah i mean it's just huge depreciation isn't it and um yeah as a buyer on the used market then that's the thing you want to see really is that it's lost most of its value already um Mm -hmm. ever, I've, I haven't driven one, but um, a friend of mine's recently got one. It's a really, really nice car, like a lovely thing. And obviously, the, the acceleration stuff's ridiculous in them. Um, they do feel like they're very well screwed together. I don't know if they've got those JLR reliability issues or not. And I did hear a thing or two about the range being 
a work of fiction when they first came onto the scene. But um, okay, yeah, but to drop, I mean, nearly fifty grand on a two thousand and nineteen car. Yeah, as a used proposition, it's an interesting one. I think the um, yeah. the other one that that really pops out to me at the moment is the Corsa E, which you know mm. they started off thirty five grand, um, thirty two grand. I think you could. Yeah. I think now, if you go for a top spec one, they're about thirty eight. Uh, you can get two thousand and twenty one with thirty five thousand miles on it for thirteen grand. Wow. And actually, I have noticed I do see quite a lot of them on the road now, uh, mm. a lot more than usual. So, when you think good. you haven't even got to MOT that car for another year, no, it's no, like pretty distance. What? Yeah, it's as you were saying earlier, it's like one litre petrol price. For, yeah, for an EV. <laughs> yeah, um, the other deal that is still there, but it's been reserved by someone. But it's just to highlight the price drop. So Mustang Mackey, the standard range, fifty one thousand pounds, brand new. This one's thirty one thousand uh, pound. Yep. It's only done fifteen thousand miles. So that's again, that's a quite a good bargain if you're into the market for a Mustang Mackey. Yeah, um, for that same money though, you mm-hmm. could get a two thousand and twenty one. Uh, probably get a long range Model Three. Yeah, it's probably a, probably a lot better car than that. So yeah, I'd say so. Last week I sat down with uh, Nate from Freewire. So I. Um, Freewire reached out to me last week or the week before and said, um, we'd love to have Nate on the show to talk about their chargers they've got in America, as well as the NACS chargers as well. Uh, so over in the US, um, a lot of manufacturers are now adopting Tesla's own charging standard. Um, so it's, I guess in the US now they're going to move away from CCS. So I spoke spoke to Nate for about 10 minutes about what Freewire do, their charging stations, because they're quite unique. They've got batteries built in to help uh, reduce the load on chargers uh, and also the NACS chargers. We've got a special interview for the Charging Stages podcast. I'm joined by Nate from Freewire, uh, and gonna, he's going to talk about what they do um, in terms of charging networks and also some of the information about the NACS charging status that Tesla have allowed everyone else to use. So welcome, Nate. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you. Um, so thanks for thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast. Um, obviously, this is a, a short segment for the for the show. Um, so just give me a little information about um, what Freewire does. And obviously, uh, this podcast is coming from the UK's perspective. So we're not. I'm not. I never actually heard of um, the company before. So just give me some information about what you guys do. Sure. Uh, so we're an innovative provider of ultra fast charging technologies based in California. Uh, And what we do is build uh, battery integrated fast chargers. So the idea is that we can deploy our ultra fast chargers in more locations at lower cost than any of the traditional or what we call kind of legacy fast chargers that are out there today. Okay. And and you guys, you got chargers all all across the US or just in one area or? We do. We have chargers in uh, North America. So we're US and Canada is our, is our largest uh, footprint. We're also starting to expand into Europe. So we have a few units in the UK starting to make some headway in places like Spain and Italy. Uh, we have a unit in Belgium, more units coming online in the Netherlands. So starting to expand into Europe now. Okay, that's good. Um, and you mentioned the fact that they've got batteries built into their chargers themselves. I've not seen that. Is that, that is right, isn't it? They've got batteries inside right. the actual units themselves. And that's to, what purpose does that give you? Does that give you um, better charging speeds for people charging at like peak times or 
just want to expend a little bit of that. It's going to help with the a strain on the utility grid and the infrastructure, which is one of the biggest challenges mm -hmm. with deploying ultra fast charging, right? If you think about a traditional grocery store, uh, if you put one ultra fast charger outside of your grocery store, you can basically double the size of your, uh, you know, grid demand from what the utility sees. So it's a really big challenge mm. uh, for utilities and for also for charge point operators who want to deploy charging. So what the batteries in our charger allow us to do is basically reduce that strain on the grid by a factor of 10 uh, in terms of what we need from the grid versus what we deliver to vehicles. I'm guessing off peak, the batteries just slowly charge up to a sustained level again, and you can get, you can output. Yep. What you need, yep. I guess. It helps with both the cool. demand charges and the energy charges of operating a, an ultra fast charger. Hmm. Interesting. I know. Yeah, I've not seen that sort of thing done before, so that's that's pretty good. Um, and then roughly, how much? So if if you had someone rock up with a quite high capacity car, for example, um how quickly could that battery pack get depleted before it has to charge up slowly again, if that makes sense? It's pretty resilient. So we have 160 kilowatt hours in our charger itself. Uh, and then we have about 20 okay. kilowatts coming from the grid, uh, which is passed through to the vehicle. So if you think about a traditional charging session where you use about, you know, what we see on the average is about 30 kilowatt hours over 30 minutes. Um, in that time frame, we're contributing uh, about 10 of those from the grid and 15 from, or 20, sorry, from the battery pack in our unit. So over 30 minutes, we've lost 20 of our 160 kilowatt hours. So you can do that, you know, multiple times back to back without really depleting our unit. Um, and we've seen units in the field that can do 12 to 15 charging sessions in a day without depleting our battery pack. That's pretty good. Yeah. So it's um, pretty resilient and so that's good. Um, and I just want to talk about a little bit about the um, the Tesla charging standards. So over in the UK and Europe, we haven't even seen this. I don't think it's something we're even going to get, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got the CCS chargers. Um, so Tesla made some pretty big headway. So they sort of launched that charger probably got about 10 years ago. Yes. And only very recently has every other manufacturer sort of agreed to take it on. They've, and I, I think the whole story is that they were pushed to adopt it, to allow everyone else to adopt it. And it's quite quite interesting to see all the other manufacturers sort of saying, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do this. Um, and have you had to adapt to the existing charges you've got to support this standard and how, what's that process been like? Yeah, it's been, it's been quite a hectic year um, for the industry in the US. Uh, so it all started in late uh, last year when Tesla essentially released the standard for their plug, which they call the North American charging standard. They, they just, published the specification online and said, anyone who wants to implement this can from the vehicle side or the charger side. From, from our perspective, we just want to provide the most reliable charging infrastructure. So we kind of followed the demand from the vehicle side. So we, we started looking into it, but we were sort of waiting to see how things were going to play out. A few months ago, probably in June or so of this year, Ford took the first step and announced that they were going to move all of their vehicles to the NACS plug natively in their vehicles by 2025 in the US. And between now and then, they're going to produce an adapter, essentially, you know, a dongle that goes between yeah. the existing Ford vehicles and allows the Ford vehicles to access the Tesla supercharger network in the US, which Tesla has far and away the largest 
um, network of ultra fast chargers in the US. So that sort of set things in motion. GM followed suit. And now, I mean, the list just continues to grow of OEMs who in the US are going to move to the North American charging standard. So for FreeWire, we're looking at, at doing this and installing this on our chargers sort of from the factory starting next year. Uh, and, and, and then we'll look into retrofitting as well as and when we need to. Yeah, so I guess, just by some of the chargers I've had a look at, you've got Chadamo and CCS. So the Chadamo one's just the leaf, really. Right. And then you've got the... Will you, will you, will you end up having three different chargers on each charger itself? Or you end up move, removing one? Or what's the plan for that? We will move away from Chadamo next year and essentially replace okay. Chadamo with the NAX connector. Okay. Yeah, because I think... Over in, yeah, I think here in the UK, the only one that does use it is the Nissan Leaf. And I think that's probably the same case for you guys as well. Yes, yes. It's yeah. just the Nissan Leaf uh, at this point. And, and what we see in the US with most deployments is, let's say you have 10 plugs at a, at a charging station. Uh, one of them is going to be Chatamo. The rest are going to be CCS, right? And as, as yeah. we move forward, you'll start to see probably the same amount of Chatamo being installed or even less um, and more of a mix of CCS and NACs at a given location. Okay. Um, and then in terms of sort of the kilowatt hour price, um, what's, are you guys quite competitive in the, in that, in that area or is it, what sort of the average, average rate, per, the average price per kilowatt hour you guys charge? So FreeWire is not the charge point operator in most cases. So we're okay. enabling our customers to be the charge point operators. So they're in control of the pricing. Uh, the average pricing, I would say, there's a, there's a pretty wide range from what I've seen um, based on different utility rates that are in play, different strategies that different charge point operators employ. But I'd say on average, maybe 45 to 65 cents per kilowatt hour is sort of what, what we typically see. Okay. That's pretty decent. Um, yeah, thank, um, that's all, I think that's all I've got, really, if that's okay. Just a short, sure. short interview, yeah. Um, no problem. Okay, thanks, thanks, Nate, for joining me for this uh, interview as part of the Charging Status Podcast. You can find more information about FreeWire at freewiretech.com. And thanks again for joining me. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cool, that was quite a good interview. And then we've got the lightning round now. So we've got a few stories to, to bang through. Um, and the first one is BYD are going to get rid of the Build Your Dream slogan after people complained about it, basically. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's so naff, isn't it? Build the <laughs> the one thing that everyone says is like, can you re- have the badges removed from the back? And they didn't have it as an option to have build your <laughs> dreams removed from the back. Um, and that'd be the first thing I did if I got one is get some double oh, yeah. floss and get rid of that build your dreams. BYD <laughs> sounds fine. It sounds like a car company. Build your dreams sounds like an awful sort of slogan thing that you buy from the range to put on your bathroom wall to inspire you whilst you're defecating um it doesn't need to be on the back of a car (laughs) oh god yeah um so they're going to remove it as standard now i don't think you can even spec it um but unfortunately the way they designed the dolphin they've sort of embossed it into the into the bodywork they're not going to take that off it so um so, but the Atto three and the upcoming Seal and the Seal U as well will have the badges removed. So, mm. I'm going to drive the Dolphin next week. By the way, mm. have to let us know what that's like. Sounds good. I shall. Mm. Next, we've got uh, 
the S so the MG4 would be built in Europe. Um, so mm -hmm. SAIC own MG, and they've said that the MG4 will be built in Europe. Uh, it isn't clear whether or not they'll actually be in the UK. Uh, I, I very much doubt it. But MG do own the Longbridge plant near Birmingham. Um, but interestingly, the MG4 is actually really popular in the UK. Um, so that might sway sway them to, to start building it in this country. But um, the location hasn't been said yet. So yeah, there's a few sort of manufacturing deals coming to the UK now. I know I know there are some other. Um, other countries putting in decent bids for it. So I don't know mm. if we will get it, but it's good that there have been some good news stories about cars being manufactured in the UK going forwards. Yeah, it's quite good. Um, the The head of MG Europe has given some insight into it. He said that production costs will be significantly more expensive than it is in China. So maybe the MG4 might go up in price a little bit, which mm. would reduce its um, sort of glow a little bit. So yeah, we shall see. And then while we're talking about MG, we've also got a new MG4 model. So this was launched in August. Did we, did we talk about this? Oh, no, that's right. Uh, yeah, we talked about the, um, the, the quick one. Trophy. Or the... Yeah, uh, no, they're doing the... Um, they've done like a hot hatch version, haven't they? Yeah. E yeah. X yeah, that's right. Last month we recorded a bit earlier than usual, so I got, I got confused with that. So... While on the subject of MG, we've also got a new extended range MG4 model. So this is based on the trophy. Uh, so you get the little spoiler and all the nice bits of the trophy, but it's got a much larger battery pack. It's now 74.4 kilowatt hours. Uh, that means you'll get 323 miles of range from the MG3, MG4, which is really good. Um, so it's good to see that they're sort of expanding the range a little bit. It's going to be £36,000 in the UK. Let's hope they put a heat pump in it in the UK. Yeah, I didn't realize it didn't have one. That's not so. That's just just for reference. The MG, the heat pump makes it more efficient, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, yeah. Otherwise, it's got to basically drain the batteries to heat everything and for preconditioning the battery before charging and all that kind of stuff. So if you remember when I had the SE Long Range um, in the winter, the yep. claimed range on it was almost half in reality simply because it was really cold and mm. that's the way it goes and if you go onto the mg owners forums um and someone that watches my channel is a participant in that les burrows uh les will attest to the fact that there, there are known range issues with them uh largely caused by the cold weather and mm. in other markets they've got heat pumps but we don't have them here that makes no sense. No, <laughs> even countries. just have have it as an option. You know, make it a cost yeah, option. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Say it's a thousand quid if you want a heat heat pump. I'd have one. Yeah, but it, for me, I mean, you know, I've just bought a, a a new EV, and I would not have considered buying one without a heat pump. So that immediately writes that off. Uh, if I had have been able to get one with a heat pump, maybe I'd looked at something like an MG five for like the family car or you yeah. Know, yeah yeah especially in this country we've got such a wide spectrum of temperatures we get really really mm. cold and quite yeah. hot a lot of times so just i don't know why they haven't done that so mm. oh well um they got the pricing revealed for the new emy1 honda um, this is going to be honda's second electric car um 
and it's going to be from 45 or just under 45,000 pounds in the UK which to me that sounds quite like quite a lot yeah I think it's very punchy for um, not a massive Honda electric no. car that's I mean that's more than the Model Y <laughs> more than a Polestar 2 you know it's it's very very punchy I think yeah and it isn't even so the honda e was a bespoke electric vehicle and this isn't even a bespoke electric car it's actually built on top of the hrv yeah and it um, looks just like an hrv doesn't it it does um yeah and I, when i dropped the honda off uh, with honda yesterday i saw quite a few of them ready to go out and stuff it looks quite interesting um mm. it looks quite large really um but it so and also the charging speeds on it so it only charged at 78 kilowatts which that should have been 100 really because most electric cars the minimum now is 100 um and there is some of the features from the honda in there so we've got the um sort of the large amount of screens in there but i think i think that price point not quite that's not going to be very competitive i don't think they're gonna yeah it feels like it needs yeah. to be 10 grand cheaper yeah 100 percent. yeah but there is that, think... I mean, Honda has that sort of diehard, loyal fan base that will only ever buy Honda and consider nothing else. But um, it's a different kettle of fish when you get to EVs, really, isn't it? Because they should all be reliable. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. One. Yeah, I think I think they'll sell enough of them, but again, not many of them. And I think the fault of it will be the price, but... It is more expensive than a lot of other electric cars in the same sort of boat, especially the um, even the Model Y is cheaper than this. So we also got the new ID GTI. And when this came out, I really, really love this. So I've got yeah. a, a Volkswagen GTI myself, and it's one thing I really, really like. And I'm glad they're sticking with the GTI name because it was going to be, at some point, they were going to use GTX going forward. Mm. Um, and this is sort of going to be based on the ID2 when that, when that comes out in 2026. But... This concept car looks really, really cool. What do you think about this? It looks amazing. I think it's what the ID3 should have been. It looks like an old Golf, basically. Uh, the oh, yeah. wheels on it are absolute genius. If you look at those wheels, that is a, mm. an awesome piece of design. And it's an exciting VW. And I've been excited by VW for too long now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's going to have... They haven't given much specs on it yet, um, but... There's been quite a few people. This was announced at the Munich Motor Show last week. Um, so there's been quite a few people on YouTube getting walkarounds of it. The interior doesn't work. There isn't an interior available yet because uh, mm. that's just a clay model. But it's apparently it's going to have a large battery. That's large battery in quotations. Mm. Um, will likely be bigger than 56 kilowatt hours. Uh, it's front-wheel drive. It's going to have over 200 horsepower in theory, um, 250 miles of range. But... I like that they're going back to enthusiast cars a little bit with electric yeah stuff. definitely, which is what it should be like. V, VW obviously originally started off as as Hitler's dream, but um, after that, you know, it was kind of that. I mean, VW's built itself on the huge enthusiast um, sort of movement, and there aren't too many other brands really where you go can go to a huge car show. That's just that brand Ford do it, but you know, that's about it. And VW are, are the Kings of that. I mean, there are certain scenes like I've said it before, but you go down to Bournemouth beach and 
everyone with a surfboard's got a VW van. That's just the law. And, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like the cars they've been producing in more recent times have, have lacked a bit of that, lacked a bit of something that people are really going to buy into. And certainly this latest batch of issues with infotainment systems and um, uh, controls for certain things haven't yep. helped that at all. And I think they do need to sort of pivot a bit and, I mean, they've got the ID Buzz now, which is, you know, a great thing. Uh, it's a car that people are excited by. And mm-hmm. I think, although it does have some of those infotainment issues, folks. Um, and, yeah, this could be the, the kind of the the platform that makes them wanted again, almost. Because like when I grew up, back when dinosaurs roamed the land, uh, <laughs> People had pictures of Ferraris and Lamborghinis on their walls, but they all wanted a VW. I think if you ask the current generation of kids, um, certainly like my my daughter's age group of friends, like eleven year olds, they're all interested in in Teslas and and uh, it's just a whole different it's a different world, you know. And I think I, I think that you'd be talking to them for a long time until they, before they mentioned a VW. And yeah, this is something people are going to be excited by, I think. But what do yeah, I know? Let's hope, let's hope so. Um, the pricing for it's going to be to so the ID2 base model is going to be targeted around 22 grand, and the GCI version should be around 26 grand. And if that's the case, that'd be really good. And that's actually less yeah. than the current Polo GTI because the current Polo GTI is quite an expensive car at the moment. So, yeah, I just can't see that happening. Um, no. I mean, it'd be great if it does, it would be absolutely groundbreaking if it did happen but i i just think that seems like nonsense yeah we'll have to we'll have to wait and see i suppose but mm. good on them for doing something quite interesting again so yeah definitely and then the last bit of news we've got is sayat so we sort of knew this was coming a little bit um there's some murmurings of it happening and the fact that Cooper are going to play Seat, but Seat have announced that they're no longer going to produce any cars at some point this this decade. So mm. um the Seat brand the Seat brand itself won't go away. They've got that Mo one two five electric motorbike out. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um and Seat will pivot into become more of a mobility brand and then Cupra will be the future of Seat, they've said. And I don't know about you, but I've seen so many Cupras on the road and they look like they look like they're quite popular, so it sort of moved away from Seat a little bit. Yeah, one of my buddies has got the the Leon. Um, I reviewed it actually on my channel, and that's great. Uh, unfortunately, mm. it's, again, it's got that VW infotainment system, but the build quality of it's great. I think it feels nicer in in areas than in a brand new Audi, um, yep. which is saying something, and certainly better than an, a number of modern VWs. Um, but it's a little bit sad about say it because um, you know the, I think the Leon's always been a really really good car and often overlooked uh, in favour of of the Golf or the Octavia. You know, the all, all, all essentially the same car. But the yeah. Leon's actually been a really good car, and that they obviously have things like the Alhambra, which are, are things that lots of people stopped producing much longer ago. Um, and there's still a market for stuff like that, even though no yeah. one's currently fulfilling it. But yeah, I, I guess they know what they're doing. So they, yeah. I could even see it. I could even see them using it maybe for commercial vehicles or something. So it's a brand mm. that people know and they've spent years building that brand. So just to stick it on sort of 
mopeds and stuff seems a little bit bit of a waste maybe yeah um and cooper have been building their brand a little bit over the last probably five years i think um they got the formenta which is that's quite well priced and i do see a lot of those around and we've also that's got the brilliant cooper Born. yeah yeah i've got the cooper Born, which is based on the id3 and i do see quite a lot of those around as well so hmm. we shall see what happens but um this isn't for those worried, it isn't going to be Volkswagen Group moving away from Spain. Um, they said that they'll be investing 10 billion euros into a new electric battery factory in Valencia, um, which is good. So the fact they're not abandoning Spain, which is quite good of them. So Cool. That's all the, the news we got for this month. Um, thanks for listening and watching to this episode of the Charging Status Podcast. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. For a full description of this show, visit the episode link in the show notes. And of course, check out the chapters complete with images to make your listening experience much more enjoyable. We also have an ad-free premium version of this show available on Apple Podcasts. That will help support this episode and future podcasts from the interface. Jim has a book out all about used cars. Be sure to check that out. It's a great read. (laughs) Link is in the show notes. Thanks again, Jim, for joining me on this show. Where can people find you online? Uh, so I'm on YouTube and Facebook at Definitely Not A Guru. I'm on uh, Twitter or X, as it's now called, at Not A Guru 3 and on Instagram <laughs> at Not A Guru Jim. Fantastic. Oh, and, uh, can... and, I've, and, I've, and I'm on TikTok as something else. I don't know. Are you allowed to be on there, are you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I, I, got, I got special uh, special permission for the elderly um, because um, I'm awesome. Yeah, fair enough. Can't, can't deny the, that. The best, easiest place to find me is to go on my website, notaguru.co.uk, and all my links are there. Fantastic. Uh, you can find the interface at theinterface.uk. Links are in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>